everyone. My name is Larry Backer. I'm here with Ariana Backer. Welcome to another uh, segment of Parallel Barkings, where we talk about things. Uh, I guess we talk about things. We talk about things, yes. All kinds of things today. And, and that was a perfect, that stumble was a perfect segue into today's <laughs> talk. Uh, which is how to make humans better. We're going to be talking about artificial intelligence, and we're going to be talking about uh, something that we all would have loved to have gotten our hands on in oh, high man. school. Would have been fabulous. Oh, my College, God. all right, of the above. So what we're, we're, we're talking about is a story that came out, uh, I guess, a couple of days ago. And this is out of Sweden. Uh, I guess it's cold up there and there's nothing else. Well, no, you can ski and you can hike. But yeah, you can say the same thing about Seattle, the reason why everybody spends yeah, time on their it's computer. Not there now. But anyway, <laughs> so hey, uh, researchers uh, had built an, an AI, an artificial intelligence bot, and they directed the AI bot uh, in you know, of course, artificial intelligence, it's a self-learning machine. They directed it, they instructed it to write a scientific paper complete with footnotes to write a scientific paper. Uh, and because it's humans who are doing this, what's the first theme you give an artificial intelligence bot as a, a writing assignment? Uh, the humans wanted the AI to write about itself. Um, and, and in a sense, what it shows you is that no matter how, how detached humans get and they build these big things, uh, they program narcissism even into our our most neutral and mechanical devices. But we'll get there in a minute. It was so, basically just born. It has to know about itself. <laughs> Don't even <laughs> give me that look. Oh God, that's that's funny. But anyway, so the AI bot writes a scientific paper on itself, heavily footnoted. I, in high school, frankly, I would have been to next i would have hated writing about myself with footnotes um that you didn't even tell the direct it was a simple directive that and and then the the researcher who was involved in this uh after doing a, a kind of peer review of the uh article it's only a, it was an academic thesis in 500 words uh with footnotes it's a small one uh uh, the the researcher then judged the product to be fairly good uh, and then wondered whether the the whole research product uh, uh, and and the paper uh, would be worthy of being published in a peer-reviewed academic journal. And that's where we 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 sort of the middle part of the story we'll we'll talk about all of this aspects. And then the question is, well, can you publish this? Uh, which is the, I guess, the 21st century version of the question, if 500 monkeys sat at a typewriter and eventually uh, typed out something like King Lear, a Shakespearean play, uh, would that be something that uh, one could uh, copyright publish and then put out, I guess, on Broadway now? Is, is this a thing? or is writing and research and the like limited to human beings, uh, however we tend to define them. And we have defined them in different ways, right? So consciousness, selfhood, uh, self-learning machines, and then the nightmare, oh my God, the matrix has come, except I still don't feel a plug in the back of my neck, so it's all good. So what do you think of this, Ariana? 
You're I asking love the it. bot? I, I love it. I mean, I love... Shouldn't you ask your bot, though, what, what your bot thinks so that you will have a more informed dis response? <laughs> no, it was so funny because I was having an argument about this the other day about... Because we were watching the show... Um, Oh, what is, oh gosh, I can't even remember the show. Anyway, they have, um, it's that new Seth MacFarlane show in space. All right, very good. Anyway, but anyway, they have artificial intelligence, um, you know, and, and they walk around and um, people were arguing about whether or not it would matter if they were infused with feelings emotions um if we killed them or not or controlled them and if if that would make a difference oh if they have feelings every other, or not every other sci-fi movie well yeah no 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 but but the argument was well it's not really human feelings because they're robot feelings because we gave them the feelings oh that's they, like saying it's not really dog it's not really human feelings it's dog feelings so go ahead and be cruel to your dog right it doesn't make sense right so well, it, I mean, doesn't, I think... it doesn't it doesn't what you know it it makes sense to the extent what you're doing is putting forward the principle that humans are humans and non-humans are not humans are not human so it doesn't matter right so no no no, no but nothing not else humans. but no but that's the thing nothing else necessarily follows from the knowledge that you are not a dog or that you are not a self-learning machine. Mm -hmm. That's just a thing. Right. Everything else are choices. Everything else are choices. And the choices that we have created uh, are choices that are based on the way in which we center and privilege ourselves, having become aware of ourselves. And in the process, not only do we elevate ourselves up, but we cram everything else down. But then so, when we create, okay, algorithms like the GPT-3, and then these algorithms learn yeah. eventually, and then they, they can make choices, is right. that then free will? Well, only if they go back behind the church and smoke cigarettes and drink beer. <laughs> yeah. And complain about their creators. Well, that's that's somewhat different, right? So the difference between a human and a dog is that no matter how much we try and how much we mock this, human beings, no matter how hard they try, can never reproduce dogs. Well, I mean, they can now with genetic. Yeah, come on. But in in a traditional way, I, 21st century make these analogies harder, right? Yeah. But uh, in this case, we are we are creating as opposed to describing and building category categorical differences between things in our known space. So this time we're adding something new in this space. Uh, and even with, with genetics, what we're trying to do is mimic the creation of something we've already seen. AI is something new. We're creating a different kind of thing. And I guess the closest we can get to is the way in which we create viruses. For example, if we want to unleash a pandemic or, oh no, I'm, I, I know we don't do things like that. But beyond <laughs> creating, beyond creating things like that, this this becomes weird uh, and and everything else associated with it then problematizes everything that comes from the moment after we realize that that is not us. 
right? And that's ultimately really the problem here because now having done this, what do we do with it? We know what we've done with it in the past when we weren't quote unquote responsible for the creation of another thing that, that may or may not have sentience because bacteria don't have sentience, I guess, or that are different. But what do we do with this thing, right? That is a machine. And, and of course, now, if, if you were old enough, you'd go, oh my God, we've had this problem before. This is uh, Star Trek, the next generation with a little robot person. What was his name? Not Eeyore. That's a different thing. Oh, uh, wow. Data. <laughs> uh, with data, right? So we've, we've Those been- Those aren't even close. Not know. even close. One I is know. from Winnie the Pooh. Okay. Sorry. Eeyore, data. What's the difference? Okay, go on. And that's the act. That's actually the point. And so here the question is: So what do we do with it? The the and and we know the the reflex is oh different, less um, uh, inferior, and therefore not to be accorded anything like uh, what we the privileges and responsibilities that we accord ourselves. Do even treat it as a thing. Um, well, I and, mean. And, this became a huge topic. I mean, and this was in the article about this this GPT-3 algorithm because of uh in after a Google engineer <laughs> claimed that Google engineer, isn't it? Claimed that a conversational AI um technology called Lambda became sentient and had even asked to hire an attorney for itself. Wasn't he fired for his trouble? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then I, I think he came. I, I think there was there was some scandal or something that that may or may not have had anything to do with e it. Either way, th this is something that's going to be happening. Right. Or you can have an AI program that's designed to nag you. It nag it, you it hasn't. Yes. That, oh no, we have one of those. That's Alicia, whatever it's called, Alexa. Yeah, yeah. You can, pro you can program it to nag you into getting up, doing your exercise. Okay, well, it hasn't advanced to the point of resembling humans, but it will get there, I'm sure. Some humans, because some humans I know never nag. All right, but but <laughs> but let's shift this for a second, because I mean, the, the area okay. is really rich, but let's shift this for a second. So in this case, we've got the AI that became not sentient, but let's let's just say it's a it's a self-learning program that was self-learning enough to be able to take a particular direction that is to write about itself, to become aware of itself in a very crude way. And answer right. questions about and answer questions and, and write an article. Yes. And apparently a fairly good one. And then the question as posed in in the article is, uh, and this is from the, the researcher. Uh, academic publishing may have to accommodate a feature of AI-driven manuscripts and the value of a human researcher's publication records may change if something non-sentient can take credit for some of the work. And so we're having a very human discussion about this. Credit for work. Insertions into prestige markets for researchers. Oh. Jobs, right? And so if you look at it through that lens, we have all of these moral, ethical, um, and and legal problems. But if you don't look at it from the lens of the human, right, then it becomes very different, right? We worry about this because we believe that these kind of products are property. 
We believe that these kinds of products are property that have values to humans in a particularly human way, right? Especially in the maintenance and operations of human social systems. But now you have a non-human that can also be engaged in this area. Now what happens, the whole systemic apple cart is overturned. Um, but now let's, like I said, let's, let's switch the lens. What if the lens is not a means by which uh, human hierarchies and prestige markets are maintained, but instead, but instead the, the lens is one of the production of knowledge. Should it matter whether it's a chimpanzee a human or a and see that's where I wanted to AI go with that it. Produces knowledge. Wouldn't it and be what amazing? You're judging is the knowledge. Yeah, wouldn't it be amazing if we could just get these these algorithms to find the best resources or the best sources of information and then get different them to sources that can then be judged and valued yes. whatever value yes and collaborate have. and I mean this seems like a great opportunity. Why are we all getting our panties in a bunch about the credit, like deal because, with it. Because this is, and that's why I love this article and, and this whole this whole storyline is that what it exposes is not necessarily whether AI is good, as, is good or bad or whether it produces good or bad knowledge, but the way in which we tend to project the human into everything. Always. We don't we have gear. We have Bambi and Bambi's mom. We don't have rocks. We have the rock in the never-ending story that comes alive. Yeah. We don't have trees. We have ants, right? We yeah. don't have um, machines. They're all humanized. Sometimes that's good because that's the only way that we are in our own in our own um, imperfection, that may be the only way that we can afford them some protection against us, right? But at the same time, uh, it comes at a price because you're humanizing something that is inherently non-human that is quite happy, uh, whether it's sentient or not sentient, whether it's silicone-based or metals-based or carbon-based, right? It's quite happy, and I'm not using that term in an emotional way, uh, quite happy doing whatever it is it's doing for whatever reason or no reason at all that it does it it does it to do it and yet it acquires meaning and value to us only as and to the extent we humanize it number one and number two having humanized it we then incorporate it into the hierarchical systemic world and social collectives of the human so right. that in fact nothing exists outside of humanity which is a problem for religious people who wind up doing the same thing. And at this point, of course, God is laughing um, to the extent that God may or may not have a sense of humor. And to the extent that I use the term God loosely to reference whatever thing that is outside whatever of our, spiritual our thing that may have right a superior uh, uh, ability at self-actualization. Oh, yes. There you go. All right. So, so that, that becomes really interesting. On the other hand, I worry because what does this mean if the machine can get tenure? There you go. Does it mean you can't turn it off? <laughs> what happens if they're rude to the university president or worse, their department? Fabulous. Has... Fabulous. Because you what can't, they're like, their feelings. I mean, right, what if they're snarking to the editor of the journal into which they've written uh, a well 
uh, footnoted article about themselves. Well, they can obviously get themselves an attorney like Lambda requested for itself. A human attorney? Hey, could be, or they could get an AI attorney. This this is fabulous. I think we are going to have to rethink the way we view um, academic research, papers. Uh, oh. Well, for non-academic, for non-humans, yeah, but not for humans. But that's really the point. Why is it that you have to, you know, we're like the blob here uh, that eats everything in its path. Um, why is it that you have to incorporate it into your human sensibilities when the whole point of this thing is quite happy churning out whatever knowledge it has, and then we can, to the extent we find it useful, use it? Absolutely. I just think that the the landscape is going to change like similar to the way that it changed for music production. And oh my God, uh, that's we... right. The story of the last century. Mm -hmm. This is another podcast. The um, And some of the finest um, philosophical minds in the West actually worried about this all the way through the 1990s. And that is the effect and essence of mechanical reproduction of art. Uh, music, sculpture, paintings, and the like. And mm -hmm. in a sense, what we're doing is carrying that conversation over. Is it art if it's mechanically reproduced? If you have a piano that is the keys of which are being moved by a, a computer-driven program that recorded a master having played it, is that being played? Is that the production of art? Is that something else? Mm -hmm. uh, and when you have a machine like this, doing it as well because in a sense you can argue that this thing may be um may be self-aware uh and maybe learning by itself but it got its genetics are are uh those of its programmers yeah the way that you are the product of the union of the, the sperm code and egg was written and by a human yeah the code was written right and so maybe they are human after all <laughs> that's a great closing sentence i i i should say unless you have something else to add woof, woof. Woof, woof. bark bark i think i think that's that settles it well we'll have to ask the ai program we will next time next time we'll Bye. bring it as a guest thanks Bye. everyone we'll see you next time <laughs>